back, baby. We are back better uh, uh, than uh. ever. Check out these visuals. What What's, is good? <laughs> what is up, everybody? This is Clinton and Hillary, and we are back for season two of Black Clinic. We are so sorry about the delay. We know we told you we we're coming back on October 16th, but as you can see, there's been a lot of changes to the format, and we're ready to hit it up with season two. So Ooh, that that closed Zoom. We got that closed Zoom going on. Hillary, tell them what's up. Uh, we're Black Clinic. We're a podcast, <laughs> a media hub with the goal sharing Black East Coast voices with the world, as you already know. You can expect to hear from us every week with guests, news-related conversation, and more streaming on CHMA Radio and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit our website, which is still blackatlantic.ca, to keep up with our various content. And follow, like, comment at Blacklantic on all social media platforms. Hit all right, it. Hillary, you ready to get us started? Yep. I'm stoked. It was worth the extra months of hiatus just to be able to hear that tune in okay. our own streaming video. Oh, yes. Yep. All right. So we're back for season two. Uh, we are we're going to be doing a little catch-up of everything we've been up to uh, during the hiatus. And uh, while we can't cover everything that was missed during these past few months, we're going to do our best. So. This is an opportunity, too. If you're listening, it's early on. Like, mm. comment, subscribe. Tell us if by the end of this and you last, there was something that happened over the last few months and we forgot to talk about it. We can bring it up later. Do you want our opinions? you want to know what we thought about something and we don't talk about it? <gasps> I know what we don't have in this list that we do need to talk about. I'm going to type it off to the side and everyone will learn later. But hey, if there's something you want us to talk about, our emails, our DMs, everything's open. Let us know. No doubt. All right. So Hillary, what have you been up to since August? <laughs> So, since we last saw each other in person over the summer, I went to New York Fashion Week. And then I went back to New York for a day just for funsies, which was um, economically stupid, but a lot of fun and still within the fashion world. I went on my first corporate girly, I saved money for this and took time off vacation to mm -hmm. um, London for three days, Athens for three days, and the island of Naxos for three days, which was absolutely lovely and a much needed vacation under the sun. Um, Beautiful. Beautiful. What yeah. else? What else? Uh, I recently hosted my first red carpet. <laughs> I spent three days interviewing notable people for the Canadian International Fashion Film Festival, including the co-founder of the Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, um, Hank, Yen Hank Vandervolk and his wife, Yonka, who's actually the first Canadian supermodel. Uh, they won Lifetime Achievement Awards and are in their 80s. Um, I interviewed Olympian Alicia Newman. Um, I interviewed some people who were on City Line TV. Miss Venezuela, Casey Siego, who, fun fact, her basically husband is a, is a Leblanc from Nova Scotia. So she's all, like, she's actually was talking to me about potentially being on the podcast because um she's been racially profiled in nova scotia as yep. like just a hot venezuelan and she has feelings about it but we can explore that later but that's been a lot of what's been up lately a lot of fashion events a lot of journalism i have some really cool secret stuff lined up in the new year um that's gonna be dropping which i can't wait 
Um, and this whole time, um, as we've been sharing on our social, because I've been sharing it, um, I've been doing a, a seven-week-long CBC series, um, highlighting Black businesses um, and doing a little bit of the work that I get to do with us, but over on CBC, um, so it gets a different radio airwave than we do with CHMA. Um, but definitely sharing what some of our friends and former podcast guests have been up to and how they amplify and you know, better and enrich in the New Brunswick community. So Fair and Family Farms, United Colors of Fashion, Dave Taylor. Um, yep. And I've got uh, several more that will be coming out uh, all the way till Christmas. So very exciting on in, in Toronto, in the T dash. What's good? Okay. And how have you been? <laughs> okay. That's amazing. I bet there's even some things that you forgot to mention that you've been up to as well. But uh, yeah, we've been keeping busy for sure. Myself, uh, other than the regular that you hear from me, which I'm not going to go into details with family, raising kids, running the business, running multiple businesses, working on this 1837 built house. Um, you got to mute your mic when you're typing. That was loud AF. I have the I had the physical Yeti muted. So I Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That. Now that we're not on Zoom anymore, maybe it doesn't automatically cancel out typing well, sounds. Let me look so that, into that. That's Sorry, good for no. me to know too. Um <laughs> I was humbled and honored to have been asked to be a mentor for the tribe network mm -hmm. based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia for their black startup project. So the black startup project is an endeavor in which there were 400 black entrepreneurs signed up throughout Atlantic Canada and other places in Canada as well, in which they are trying to provide training resources and funding for black entrepreneurs looking to get into business. Now, it's not all black entrepreneurs, but it mostly is. This was a black program, but it's open to BIPOC people. I was a mentor for eight different weeks. So every week I would get on calls and I would mentor individuals looking to start with business. So that was uh, a really great opportunity for me. I made some great connections. Um, I helped people in Atlantic Canada move forward with their goals. Um, now, right after we started our hiatus of season one, I got to perform at the first ever Black Atlantic Caribbean Festival in Atlantic Canada. And that was courtesy of my friend Michael Fox, an amazing rapper who's doing amazing things. But it was my first time on stage in a bunch of years. We performed tracks. It was a good weekend overall. If you were not a part of Summer Salsa, let me tell you that like you, you kind of missed out. You, you really missed out. Um, oh, darn it. Where's the video? Okay. So this was Summer Salsa. This is Frederick. It was just a wild party. So again, for people who are listening on the podcast, you're not exactly going to see these videos, but oh, you can't hear a word I'm saying. Okay, uh, I'm going to repeat that again. Sorry to anyone. I'm not sure if we'll be able to edit the audio version of the podcast, but basically, um, Summer Salsa. So I had my chance to perform uh, for the first time in years with Fox and it was just a crazy Caribbean festival that took place downtown Fredericton. It was the first one ever. It got delayed due to COVID for a few years, and it was amazing. Uh, some other things I've been up to are... Um, so, uh, as our listeners know, we broadcast on CHMA. I've been a, a board member for the past year. Just recently, uh, I became the president of the board, so I'll be contributing to that throughout the year. Um, 
we've been trying to get some funding for Black Atlantic. So we've been work, I've been working on, on grant proposals to try to hire some more people, some more staff and pay our contributors, uh, working on this new format. And I myself have some very exciting news coming up for 2022, uh, early in the year, January, February, that I can't get into just yet. You said for 2022, so are you living for this year again? Obviously, a little bit rusty, <laughs> getting those, uh, I have some exciting news for January 2022 is going to be lit. (laughs) So we'll get into our first topic here, and we're starting off with a bit of a heavier one. Um, Some police brutality that's been going on in Canada um, while we've been on hiatus, both in New Brunswick and in Quebec. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Clinton noticed that we were DM'd this video um, that is mainly in French and me being the French speaking one I translated um, of this gentleman who was pulled over for no reason, it seems, other than being black. Um, and while they tried to figure out in the, the video that you're you're seeing on the screen now, but we're not going to play uh, to avoid technical difficulties. Um, in that video, essentially, he keeps saying, like, why did you handcuff me and then lose the key to figure out if I own a car that I do own? Um, and Clinton has more information on what seems to be causing this. So basically, recently in Quebec, uh, a racial profiling law was passed in which uh, it said that police cannot stop motorists without reason. Uh, It was a superior court judge ruling based on um, a big case that took place. Um, yeah, so this historic decision was was made, and directly right after this, video started surfacing out of Quebec, and this was end of October, in of police harassing people for really what seemed like next to no reason. Mm-hmm. So there is the video of the gentleman. He had been handcuffed because the police uh, didn't know whose car it was, although it was his the whole time. They arrested him without even letting him prove that it was his car. They just handcuffed him, and then they lost the keys, and they had to wait for backup to show up ridiculous uh just police like maybe police are angry about these new laws and and they're acting out there's another video um that we'll be posting on our black atlantic of just a police officer saying like uh, like a woman complaining about being pulled over and he's like i'll give you something to complain about and yada 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 so there's just wildness taking place out of quebec uh so it seems like anytime laws are placed to try to protect minorities or people of color uh there is always backlash and someone tries to whatever people feel like they're being repressed um try to lash out and and punish people of color for fighting for equality so that's what's happening over in quebec and then this is not about people of color however there was a video circulating through cbc Mm -hmm. um of jailhouse beating in Fredericton Provincial Court. So it's pretty graphic. Um, It's not overly graphic, but the fact is um, this is jail guards beating an inmate, knowing that they are on camera, not caring. um, And this guy is getting the crap beat out of him while onlookers watch. And uh, I don't believe this man did anything other than just maybe not want to go into a room he was in and the real thing about this is that if this is what jail guards are doing in the open in front of cameras you know what are they doing behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and when people when people have the audacity to think that you know like this kind of stuff isn't happening in new brunswick in canada uh when it is to 
white and people, the question then becomes, you know, what are certain police officers doing late at night at one in the morning when they pull people over or when they really know that no one is on camera, that no one's watching them? That's basically it. What are your well, thoughts on this? I mean, we're seeing we're seeing an uprise lately of, of events like this. Well, there's more to it than just that, right? Because Higgs proposed a $32 million uh, correctional facility in Fredericton. And yep. we're now seeing that what are they correcting? They're really just um, assaulting inmates. There is there is no correction. And I'm, I don't want to misquote the mayor of Fredericton. But from what I saw of the news, that is what she said. That she would not be in support of it until there's proof that it is actually a facility correcting and helping change for the better the inmates that go there versus just a holding place where people get abused. Um, so I... I definitely think that in the first instance in Quebec, and I even saw another article today um, about another instance in Montreal happening where Black people also felt that they were being wrongfully, or, uh, sorry, we'll end up sharing it on our page, but it was, um, there's proof that 911 operators are also answering the phones with discrimination, and, like, if it's a Black name or a a Black-sounding voice, they are not, not, um, acting accordingly or treating them with the same amount of respect uh, <laughs> us with this man. so um quebec com- continues to be uh, very racist new brunswick just continues to be problematic like uh, uh, i were it's just upsetting it to me it feels like and we've i think i've said this on this podcast other podcasts many platforms a lot of the people who are least just want power and then they use it wrongfully on anyone, on anyone who is whoever they deem worthy of their punishment. It can be that white man getting beaten in a New Brunswick cell. It can be a black person driving down a road on any apparently village in Quebec. They do not, they don't discriminate, but they do. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know this is supposed to be part of our like rapid fire segment, but yeah. This I actually want to talk about this a little bit sooner because this sure. also relates to something that uh, was happening in Moncton, New Brunswick. So the Fredericton Jailhouse, I think that got rejected. However, something is happening in Moncton. Not only are they spending I don't know how many tens, maybe even a hundred million or more on a new police station that's that's already gone through, but the city of Moncton has just reallocated taxpayer dollars to hire, I believe, 10 to 18 new police officers, six of which they are placing in high schools to be monitoring students um, at the price tag of $25 million, uh, which is, to me, it's insane. Now, I am ne- I've never been one to say completely abolish the police. Um, I have been very firm in saying, you know, reform the police, uh, you know, reallocate money from the police into social services and things like that. However, what we're hearing is actually the exact opposite happened. Uh, in fact, that they have taken money uh, and allocations from the education system for social workers and psychologists and, and support workers, uh, canceled a lot of those programs to reallocate money to put police in school to try to deal with problematic students. Now, the big question there, are you still there, Hillary? I am. Okay, your video's frozen. Um, the big question. The big question there is like, they have done studies all over North America in which they put police officers in high schools and 
every single city that had a report like that came back saying that that was actually a really bad idea. They're pulling the police officers from schools and they are not moving forward with these programs all at the same time that New Brunswick is moving forward with these programs. I mean, if we weren't already thinking that we were living in a backwards province, um, that's just crazy. And the people that this is going to affect the most in a lot of our opinions are people of color. Like the police are going to be there. Uh, I think it, creates a higher risk for people of color and black students from getting in trouble with the law uh, at younger age, being harassed, being targeted, being singled out and stuff like that. I, and it's, it's really frustrating. Can you see Hillary, me? Are you there? No, I can't. You are frozen. So my opinion on having police in schools is first of all, what happened in the decade that I graduated that we need cops in the schools like i haven't heard of an influx of teen violence none of my teacher friends has said that they feel threatened or in harm's way or anything like that in describing their teacher student relationships like i just it feels like such an overstep for something that doesn't need a solution and just another way to spend money that isn't the healthcare system which we're going to talk about later um, offering money to build an equitable and fair report with the commissioner of systemic racism, racism yeah. reparations for any of the minority communities, anything that doesn't have to do with Irving's or the pipeline. Like it's just a reason to give more money to cops. I feel because he's pro I pray to Christ himself that he's not going to win the next election. So he's siphoning the money there now to build the future he wants when he's just Blaine Myron decrypted Higgs on some, in some weird mansion, hopefully dying a slow death. It's really ridiculous when, yes. um, so uh, not only are the police meant to uh, address issues in the schools, but they also, they, they, they spent $25 million for the police to address the homeless issue. So Moncton is having a homeless issue that is exploding out of control. And instead of spending that money on more resources, building, housing, drug reform programs, assistance, they're spending it on cops to assist the homeless people. You know what that really means? It means middle class, middle, upper middle class, rich people don't like seeing homeless people around the city. They don't like seeing them near their neighborhoods or anything like that. I think it's like an old West End, new West, West End issue that is uh, pushing that. And for people who don't know that, that's just, that's just an area of Moncton. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So they basically, I, I believe, hired more police officers to arrest homeless people and harass people of color and kids to... Yeah, it's all the money pouring. And it's also um, lash back. Like we were talking about yeah. Quebec and those laws that have passed after the two years of protests and calls for police reform and, and stuff like that and everyone being silent. Now that the dust has kind of settled, they're like, uh-uh, we're going to double down and we're going to to push this yeah. agenda even further. Yeah, there was a number of protests. There were um, grassroots NB fighting against this, town halls, meetings about it. It was on the radio for a long time. And of course, none of that mattered because they'd made the decision. Uh, as we know, in New Brunswick, uh, it does not have to be documented how and why politicians and policymakers come to their decisions. They just have to announce what they've done without uh, without the paper trail. Uh, it's a yeah. ridiculous law that stands. This is all connected. Um, 
and it's just insane for our province. It's we're already behind the times, but it's a real step back for New Brunswick, unfortunately. And uh, I hope- and I will say to your point about um, abolishing or defunding the police. Um, I know that this is not technically the Atlantic and Black Atlantic, but I, with my day job, did a podcast episode about a group of community health centers in Ottawa that came out with reporting um, and statistics that proved that in Ottawa. Um, and they're the surrounding area that defunding the police and allocating those funds to social services, mental health, first aids, and the like would actually reinforce a better community. So they have an entire um, document on that, which is available through, I think, Centertown CHC's website. I did, I, I highlighted Centertown CHC, I believe .ca has this, this entire document about defunding the police and what reallocating them can do. And sure, it's statistics about the Ottawa population, but homeless crisis is a homeless crisis. Putting the funds towards shelters is putting funds towards shelters and it would actually have, you know, less needles in the street and less encampments being destroyed and then therefore less crime, et cetera, et cetera. It's one big snowball. Yeah, so all over the world in North America where it's been proven that putting police officers in schools and other things like that is not effective, uh, and that yeah. reallocating money to police officers instead of social issues is not effective, New Brunswick is like, we're going to dive in head first and do that shit anyways. Yep. <sighs> so if you're listening to this, let us know your thoughts on that in the comments, comment on our page or YouTube, anything like that. Like, chime in. Like, do you, have you have you heard about this? We know a lot of our listeners get some other news yeah. from us. Uh, I know this is kind of old news, but this is another ridiculous thing that's taking place. Speaking so, of ridiculous things, yeah, let's move on to some entertainment, annoying entertainment that is but not that also, centered around us. You want to talk about going back in the times? Let's go back to apparently Nazis because Kanye West. Ooh, jeez, jeez, Kanye West out here. With his anti-Semitic remarks, and I'm gonna we're gonna do a deep dive. I'm gonna take you a little bit back. So yep. catch everyone up. Kanye, mm-hmm. he was perpetrating violence against women, hating on his wifey Kim. Kim was going out with Skeet Pete. We were together in person. We had had a great shawarma. Times were beautiful. Now fast forward, fast forward, and there's like layers of scandal upon this, but I can only cover so much. Kanye has since so he. He was partnering with Balenciaga, which is also now under fire. So I mm-hmm. don't want to get into the Balenciaga of it all. But both Kim and Kanye were working with Balenciaga separately. He walked for Balenciaga. And then he decided to put on his own show. And this is during, I believe, Paris Fashion Week, which happened immediately after New York. Um, and then he decided to come out with shirts that say, White Lives Matter. Candace Owens is there repping it, supporting. He's got black people wearing the shirts. And this is where the proverbial poop starts to hit the fan because people are like, why are you making black people wear this shirt? Why are you supporting this? And a lot of people initially started to feel that it was a commentary on the fact that the founder of Black Lives Matter went and took her money and bought a house in the hills and and there was some fraud going on and that it was the money wasn't being spent fairly then kanye just continues to slide down this very slippery slope and reports then came out of him um trying there's so much so he showed the adidas execs porn that was like step brother stepsister porn allegedly also showed kanye showed, showed the adidas execs that 
Wait, where yes. do you get it from? Hold on, hold on. Where do you get that from? What do you mean? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Where do you get it from? I think like Pornhub. I don't know. Okay, so this is not Balenciaga related, and this is because he was just on the Alex Jones show, which you're getting oh, to, I'm sure. Yeah. So talking, talking about like, porn. Okay, okay, go on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so in September he walked for Balenciaga, and things seem like they are okay. Oh, you yeah, can yeah. see me again. Good. Yeah, I can. Okay, good time. Thank so, you for listening to see episode one of season two and all our tech difficulties. Things went so smooth in the trial run, but uh, that's just how it is. We're going to get anyway, it figured out. So he does Balenciaga. He makes the White Lives Matter shirts. Then all of a sudden people are like, he's off his rocker. Then come the footage of he's showing Adidas exec stepbrother, stepsister porn on his phone and trying to explain how it's part of like the vision or something. And they're very uncomfortable recently it has come to light that in apparently that same meeting he showed them kim's some some photos and potential porn of kim which like i guess we've seen it because of ray j but it wasn't that clip so probably something that happened while they were married and that should have been private for kanye he then showed those executives that and then all of a sudden he starts to tweet and I think compare the plight of blacks to the plight of the Jewish people and says the sentence, I am going to go death con on the Jews. Wait, wait, wait. We forgot. We forgot. We forgot. So there was this point before Elon Musk took over Twitter uh, and reinstated Kanye's account that Kanye had uh, made an agreement to purchase the right-wing conservative social media network called parlor for (laughs) millions and millions of dollars am i telling you news about kanye did you not know this i didn't know that part of it there's so much kanye kanye was going to buy the social media site parlor which is a right wing yeah which was actually i believe owned operated or ran or partially owned by candace owens husband Okay, I am filling in a piece of this puzzle. I am so happy I have something to contribute to the Kanye story. Thank you. Yeah, and then so when Elon Musk went through with the finalization of Twitter, I don't know what's happening with that parlor purchase because now you can be racist on Twitter again. So maybe that doesn't matter as much owning parlor. But, well, we're going to get to this, but he just said that Elon was an Asian droid hybrid. So if you offend the owner of Twitter after saying death con to the jews do you get to keep your twitter i think we're gonna find out although yeah. i think so then he said so the where were you with the story death yeah go on con. yeah he said the thing about going death con everybody was very upset i believe he i heard recently although i, I have yet to fact check that he might have released a song also called death con or it leaked have to verify he did and i do have the screenshot before it was deleted of the um star of david swastika hybrid logo that he posted i've never seen that yeah Uh, i can pull it up i suppose but he did share that before it got um vile like immediately taken down and he was trying to say that like kanye 2024 all one love we're gonna bring them all together the nazis and the jews (laughs) um and one of my favorite takes on all of this is Trevor Noah, who has said, like, mm. this man is clearly unwell. He's been unwell. And yet we continue to, like, put a camera in his face, listen to him speak, hold everything he's saying to a high esteem, even though he has out loud said, 
like I'm, I am manic when I'm not on my medication. And so it's sort of for the circus of it all, um, for anyone looking, here's the um, swastika star hybrid. Oh, damn. And he po- he said, yay, 24, love everyone, hashtag love speech. We are getting to the Alex Jones show too, right? I don't even know what he said about the porn on that. I know that between between the Adidas thing and then like losing the Gap Balenciaga relationships, he then went to uh what what are they Skechers and started to demand their execs work with him. They're a Jewish family. So they kicked him out immediately. Then this happened. Then mm-hmm. he said the things about Elon Musk being half half Asian, half drone, droid, and then also said, it's the first it's happened, I bet there's 24 clones, and then went, LOL, don't forget Obama, though. And then he went on Alex Jones. So, on YouTube, there's like a nine-minute clip from, I think, this two- to three-hour episode with Alex Jones, InfoWars, which is like a kind of like an extremist alt-right radio show. To then he was saying things that had Alex Jones uncomfortable in his skin. Like, um, like he was talking about how much he loved Hitler, how Hitler was a great yes. person. Hitler did a lot of great things. It's not fair to say that Nazis are bad people. Um, he was he was like playing with puppets and doing like pretend shows. He had a mask on the entire time. I, I obviously we've been talking about Kanye for a long time. Uh, if you want to see that, uh, look on YouTube for the Alex. I wish we could. We're not going to be sharing any more screens for yeah. this episode, but uh, it was just radical and. I mean, to that I say, like, Kanye, bro, like, first of all, like Trevor Noah said, like, that reflects my opinion. As soon as someone says that they're mentally unwell, we should live in a society where we don't exploit that and we don't Mm -hmm. try to capitalize off that and make millions off of a a successful black man self-destructing due to mental health issues that if he hadn't have mentioned them, that'd be one thing, but he was very open about that. And now he's just getting more and more attention because people want to see the fanaticism. And I I realize that even we're talking about it on the show, but Kanye West was a leader, a revolutionary. He was, um, you know, a guy from a middle-class neighborhood that changed the rap game, that showed black people that you didn't have to be all about guns and drugs and gangs and bitches and hoes and money and fancy cars, even though he likes all those things. Uh, It's not about, like, gang music. You could just talk. Mm -hmm. You could be yourself. You could be vulnerable. And he was really respected for that. And it just seems like since the Kanye thing and uh, his Trump influence and a number of other things, he was the man that, that said George Bush doesn't care about black people and then like shook the whole industry because no one was talking like that back in those days and you know from even though he's a billionaire like i feel bad for him at the same time he's crossed so many lines when i first wasn't following this and i heard a little bit about it um i did have the question like why do people get canceled for just stating that Jewish people run most of the entertainment industry. Um, But it ended up being so much more than that. And I wasn't aware of how just anything that's said about Jewish people sparks an insane amount of anti-Semitism. There have been videos coming out of 
Israel on the flip side of it, of a lot of, just like when the Ukraine war started, there've been a lot of videos coming out of Israel of the extreme hatred and racism that certain uh, Israeli citizens and groups have towards Ethiopians, towards black people, and obviously the Palestinians. So um, while it is the right thing to do to protect the safety of Jewish people here in North America, there is there are people in Israel who are, are very racist as well. And uh, I just hope those issues are addressed in the future as well in, in these conversations. But Kanye, he is, I can't even imagine what's going to happen next. Like the downfall is coming. I, I think actually Death Country was a diss track against Kanye West from mm. someone else. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah. So you've described the whole situation, Hillary. What's your take? And then we're going to get into the rapid fire segment. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, some some thoughts that a lot of people have had are like, would he be put into a conservatorship like Britney Spears was? Because clearly someone needs to be taking control of his access to free speech, access mm. to his money, um, and like obviously keeping him away. I hope, I'm sure Kim's doing that from his kids because he is so unstable. And if Britney Spears was in a conservatorship for uh, what, like I think 17 years, that should be able to happen to Kanye as well. I originally wanted to talk about it and write about it like months ago when this first happened during Fashion Week while we were on our hiatus because I was so upset by the whole white lives matter, all lives matter rhetoric. And I just never expected that the longer I delayed writing that, the more things would happen. I really didn't think it was going to turn into um, from a commentary about whose lives matter to him basically uh, inciting so much. And, and before we yep. do move on, I do want to just point out that like the trickle down effect from this has been bad because it, it feels like so many black people are just ready to hate on another minority. And in this case, Jewish people, because um, Kyrie Irving, and we're not going to share the screen, but there is an article about it. I guess yep. Kyrie Irving a few months ago also was, was look, looking into education about something and then shared a documentary that also had a lot of anti-Semitic um, thoughts, commentary, um, and was suspended from playing basketball since that time on, um, I believe, November 3rd. And as of yesterday or today, whenever we're recording this, um, was dropped by Nike as a spokesperson. Um, and I'm sh I feel like that goes hand in hand with the shitstorm that Kanye has started. Um, I don't know why it feels like so many powerful black men are jumping on this bandwagon um and i will point out that some people have noted some kanye lyrics that talked about jews and nazis before um really? yeah well he's got the line in uh is it flashing lights i hate these niggas more than a nazi um and like he's got a couple he's got a few oh, wow. lyrics that talk about nazis and jews that have not have not aged well. Um, so it's possible that this was underlying the whole time and the lack of medication has caused something to come out as opposed to this just being blatant like psychosis and mania. Um, I just think it's unfortunate that we're, we're putting any like microphone in front of his face. I hope that like, I want to have this conversation 
to educate and to talk about why these things are bad and why people shouldn't speak this way. But I don't think that we should continue to let Kanye himself speak. <laughs> I'm reading the lyrics of what he said, but uh, yeah, they're pretty bad. You want me to read some of these out? Sure. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> well, I'm tight with my dough, like family Jews. Uh, I said, Jews, my career is screwed. That was the Rock the Mic Freestyle in 2005. Um, and try to hit you with the old woo wopped till I got flashed by the paparazzi. Damn, these niggas got me. I hate these niggas more than a Nazi. That's I flashing that lights song. in 2007. I don't, even, I don't even remember hearing these lyrics in his songs. This is wild. I yeah. walked through the hotel and I walked down the street and people look at me like I'm fucking insane, like I'm Hitler. But one day, one day the light will shine through and one day people will understand everything I ever did, ever said. Uh, I don't know if that was a lyric or something he said at a festival. Um, the world wow. turning black slowly where you can call niggas niggas, but you better not mention Hitler. So tell me who run the label, where the gun's from. Oy, oy, oy. That's 2016. Um, basically, any commentary made that incites violence against any group of people uh, yeah. is dangerous in this. Because after Kanye started saying this, there has been a rise in anti-Semitic hate. There yeah. has been like pamphlets and leaflets dropped off all over different cities in America talking about how horrible Jewish people are and stuff like that. So just like when Trump was in power and we're getting to him, um, things powerful people say can lead to death, can kill innocent bystanders. Uh, and that's what Kanye is doing. And he doesn't realize his power. He doesn't realize the... Or maybe he does. Maybe like Trump, he does fully realize what he's saying and he doesn't care. But what he is saying puts innocent people in death's path. Mm -hmm. and, and I hope we don't... Right now we're hearing reports of increased hate. What I hope we don't start hearing is increased of the next serial killer in the States or the next like mass shooting uh, targeting... Jewish people instead of black people. I, oh, we don't want to targeting anyone. But, yeah. But that would be the result. That would be a direct correlation between, I think, Kanye's actions and what's happening here. Absolutely. So the news has been wild. And again, we mm -hmm. want to hear anyone's thoughts on this. But yeah. um, speaking of Trump, we think most people are aware of this, but Trump has formally announced that he is planning to run again for the 2024 elections and none of us are surprised um he not has surprised been, just disappointed <laughs> sort of been back on the campaign trail i know his twitter account was reinstated although i don't know if he's posted anything yet um and i'd like to hear your opinion on this hillary because the way i currently see things going if nothing really changes in the next couple of years i don't see why trump wouldn't win i really don't see why trump wouldn't win the democrats have made uh a shit show of the presidency. They, they, the second Biden won, they should have started marketing the campaign to win again because he just doesn't look good in the media. He, he's. I mean, Biden doesn't look good, but he doesn't look as bad as Trump. And I'm pretty sure with the most recent, like whatever it's called, by-election that happened in November where they did like the Senate, the Dems won extra seats, uh, mainly riding on the roe v wade being overturned and the fact that if the the dems got enough seats in the senate they would be able to write another law protecting roe v wade that would overrule what was overturned um so i think they got three extra seats i just never paid attention to if that was enough um 
I don't know. Like, fighting... I, the, but well, I'm confused. So they got new seats, but in the, the midterm elections in 2022, the Republicans took control of the House of Representatives. So are we talking about two different things, or...? Mm, listen... <laughs> Is that well? There's the Senate and the House, isn't there? Isn't there several things? Were both midterm? Did both midterm elections like did it take place at the same time? The Senate there, and the House of Representatives. Okay, so well, the, hold on. I'm sorry. There's a there's a runoff election happening today, and the Dems just gained a new Senate seat. Okay, in Georgia, so in the Senate, that's good. But the Republicans in the election that took place uh, in, I believe it was November, just a couple yeah. weeks ago, the Me Republicans too. won that. They took over the House of Representatives. In historical terms, Biden's first midterms were a clear success. What are you looking at? I don't understand the midterms. Is all I figured out while you were gone. Um, I. <laughs> I see that I see that there's midterm elections that say that the Republicans picked up 19 mm-hmm. and control the house. The yep. Dems picked up 6. But then there's also the article that I was say reading before that say in historical terms Biden's first midterms were a success, so I don't understand. All right, we will need some experts next week to help us make sense of all this stuff. By and large, I really don't like Biden's like a soggy saltine of a man who mumbles and I think is like next to death. But Trump is still a racist bigot who grabs women by the putang and I would rather eat feces than have him for another four years. I'm hoping the Roe v. Wade stuff will make younger people and other demographics come out and vote. We'll see. Know. We'll see if in two years from now that is still a hot enough topic. Like I honestly do believe that if George Floyd was not murdered in 2020, six months before the election, that Trump would have taken that one. Absolutely. And he and Biden barely won, right? Even after all of that. It was by a million, I think. 70, 71. Mm, yeah, in a country of 330 million. I don't know how many voted, maybe 65 million. Um No, it was it was 70 million for Trump and 71 million for Biden for a total of 141. Okay. okay, yeah, that that's it's a million, but it's it's by a percentage point, right? Like, yeah, he, it's he not a lot. Won. And uh the fact is, I mean, as much as people get annoyed, I mean Trump changed up the game. Like people want entertainment from american politics nowadays and uh, just the attention he gets he's already garnering it and i i don't know like unless what there's if- major major catalysts or like not to say that the roe versus wade thing will die down but you know how news cycles works right they like even how this balenciaga thing's being completely ignored by the media like they push certain things down they focus on what they want to focus on we'll just have to see if it's relevant at that time um, I was going to say one of his daughters has already been like, I don't want to participate this time and has like publicly issued a statement saying like, I wish my father the best in his campaign. I will not be like, not, I'm not supporting my dad, but just don't talk to me about it almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a lot happening. We do got to wrap this up soon. This episode's been <laughs> probably, this is. <laughs> well, after we cut out all of the technical errors, I think we're at 35 minutes. Uh, we'll see. We will see. We have the nine from before, and this has been 29. And then another one. This is what we need the support for. We, uh, are working on increasing the show, fine-tuning our team, building our team, and and bringing y'all the top quality 
Atlantic podcasting and news channels because this, this ain't happening anywhere else. Not good. Uh, yeah. Should we do the rapid fire? Rapid fire. The uh, I want to start with the one that I added last minute. Yep. Yo, the queen died while we were on hiatus. Yep. Queen died. Which was huge. Thoughts. Um. <sighs> That's it. <laughs> rapid fire. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, the Queen dying sparked all kinds of conversation all over the world about colonialism, about the horrible atrocities of the royal family, why they're even in power, the countries that are still uh, under the throne. Um, while some people mourned the Queen, many others were glad and celebrated and stuff like that. It sparked a lot of debate online, like most things, and it's been an ongoing controversy. Now, the people say that the Queen was not the cause of a lot of the atrocities on the world, but in fact, horrible things happened in in Africa, and I can't remember which country, while she was in power. And whether she was aware of it or not, she was the figurehead for the for the crown. And uh, I don't see how she could have got through her entire reign without being aware of all the atrocities. Uh, and in fact, to this day, the British family continues to exploit. Uh, just look at the British Museum. They have, I think, 400, different, 400 million artifacts, most of which are not even in display, that were stolen from every country in the world they colonized, from indigenous peoples to royalties in Africa, jewels, uh, ancient uh, tribal artwork, and in fact, history. Uh, some African countries, they used to, they didn't write their history down in words. They made sculptures and figurines and, and models to depict stories of their history. And when those were all stolen and taken at, even out of the order they were in, um, like most things, like most cultures that get destroyed by war, um, a lot of African culture and history was destroyed. So the Queen dying brought all this conversation to light. Uh, I mean, we the royal family is pointless. They're they're just like the British's version of celebrities. They're like reality show celebrities. They really don't do anything. Um, of course, it always feels a bit weird to celebrate someone's death, and that's not what I'm doing. But yeah, the royal family is was a horrible, hell bent family that believes they colonized the world and brought good, but they actually destroyed uh, so much. And I I don't know if there would have been someone else that did it. Um, if not them, but uh, they've just wreaked havoc on our planet. And uh, yeah, Prince my Charles thoughts, probably ain't going to do much better. Yep. My thoughts are that I happened to be there the week, at, like the week that they were allowed to reopen in London. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, on Truth and Reconciliation Day, and a bunch of Indigenous people showed up in their orange t-shirts. And I then realized that like, oh, I'm walking past Buckingham Palace on a day where I, a minority, would rather be supporting the Indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. um overall i also went well when she died i was in new york and then i very quickly ended up being in london um and it was weird to experience that not in a place that celebrates her initially um a lot of hoopla for someone who um also in the words of trevor noah because i just watched his comedy special last night just she got to the end of life like she finished life it wasn't like cancer, not, it wasn't sudden. She had been preparing. We thought she was a robot for months and had died of COVID. She was like 97 and good for her for living her life while being a colonizer who is the reason for a lot of other people's deaths. That's that's how it be. Um, I, like, I, I guess how I feel is that um, a powerful family that has caused a lot of problems and like, I don't wish her at, to go to hell 
I hope she's in heaven with all of her jewels. But that's it. Like, it happened. And the other thing I wanted to point out in terms of the racism. What? You hope she's in heaven with all of her stolen jewels? I don't like wishing ill, I guess. Okay, but I hope she doesn't have her jewels. Because those were stolen. Well, she was buried with those them. Those were precious. She was buried with some, so she gets those. The rest are in the museum. I saw them. No, they need to give those back to the countries that they, they were stolen from. And, the uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I I don't hope. If she's in heaven, I just hope she doesn't have her jewels. No, that's valid. I can retract my statement. Um, can you bring stolen things into heaven? That's the philosophical question that we need God's to... They're like, I don't fucking think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the racism part I wanted to add is that this week, her lady-in-waiting resigned after asking a black woman, where are you really from, oh. about eight? Teen time. <laughs> oh, that video was wild. I had, two, I had two in the morning. Send this video to Clinton because I'm just like, the, she was like, where are you really from? No, what nationality are you? Where are you really from? I could not believe that this woman was a black Brit in the year, like, I don't know, 2020, let's say. Um, absolutely insane. So uh, thank God Meghan Markle got out of there when she did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, people dying in uh, the ER in Moncton. So I would say over the past year, I think four or five people have died in the emergency ward in Moncton. However, recently there has been a major uproar about... Um, now, all the news outlets uh, have been very tight-lipped about this man's background, his origin, his religious faith, and the works. Um, they could say it's for confidentiality reasons, but the family is talking about it, so that can't be the real reason. Um, basically, a man, uh, a couple weeks ago, after having a kidney operation uh, where there was expected complications, was told if there was any issues for him to go back to the emergency ward uh, immediately uh, to be checked. So less than 24 hours after having surgery at the hospital, he returned to the emergency ward complaining of pains or just or problems. Um mm-hmm. He spent six hours in emergency and was not seen, and he died in the emergency ward. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I'm going to try to share the screen again. Maybe not a great idea. Okay, well, anyways, no, I won't. The news organizations all reported on this, and not only that, um, their story is that he was attended to frequently, checked on, his vitals were being checked, uh, and he died. Now, this man uh, in New Brunswick, and I guess, mm-hmm. and again, only four or five people, that's a lot, but four or five people have died in the emergency ward waiting in the past year. This mm-hmm. man was a black Muslim. And we know this because the Moncton Muslim Association has been protesting for the past couple of weeks, getting next to no news coverage. Uh, they've been speaking out against this man who died. Um who was not seen, who was not taken seriously less than 24 hours after surgery. Uh, And in fact, there was a statement released from the Moncton Muslim Association, you can look them up on Facebook, in which they are contesting, uh, the family is contesting a lot of things that these news articles are saying. (laughs) They are saying that he was not checked on, he was not treated with dignity, they, within the six hours he was there, no one came to check on his vitals once. Uh, And there are many people that are saying this is gatekeeping, this is a form of system racism this is withholding this is choosing who gets to live or die uh, because regardless of a triage's job to do their best to prioritize 
a man who just had surgery less than 24 hours ago that comes back to the hospital after being advised by doctors to do so if there was complications it needs to be seen like needs to be seen there couldn't have been so many other pending issues taking place at that moment their excuse was the emergency the wards were full they were overpopulated that that's always the case they're always overpopulated um it's not about this is about it's not about healthcare funding short staffing like you have a surgery you come back to the er the next day with major pains and complications you're not seen for six hours and you die that's bullshit that's bullshit. I I think it is, well, it's, it is about everything that you said though, because like, we're at a point where like, it shouldn't have to come to this no matter what, if you are advised to come back and they can't handle you coming back, that is, that is absolutely crazy that in this episode, we've discussed a $32 million correctional facility in Fredericton, 25 yep. million for more cops to be in high schools. But this yep. is one of, I think you're right. Five or to 10 people who have just died waiting to be seen this one after an operation so being advised to come back um and i feel i i i don't want to like speak wrongly but i know from my personal experience that like culturally muslim people have a hard time with like going to the doctor like it it takes it does take encouragement of them to trust westernized medicine and i think that's why this is like a double burn for these yep. people that this person probably came to this country trusting these white doctors to die in the ER is such a, a heavy, heavy, heavy sentiment for this community. On top of the fact that um, I know I read and we didn't even have this on the list that a homeless man died in the uh, like in city of Moncton, like in, in city hall. So like yep. people are just dying everywhere in Moncton. There was also someone recently murdered in Irish town and no one's, no one's doing anything about anything. Okay, well, see, complicated there. So that actually kind of strengthens the argument for having more police officers, right? But this a murder—I mean, people are people are murdered. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but I mean, the man, the homeless man that died. He there was all the shelters were full. There was nowhere that could take him. They were yeah. concerned he was going to die. He had been at a shelter earlier that night, and they they couldn't take him either. Um, people being murdered maybe you could argue you need more police officers maybe you could ar or argue that that is a social issue as well depending on the reason the person was murdered like yeah education finances economics yeah but i don't know i don't know i didn't mean to throw a wrench in things there <laughs> no i i i feel like i i read between the lines about some of the circumstance it makes me feel like we don't need more cops we need more social uh services okay. um and mental health institutions and mental health services and also like the doctors and space and places for people to go who need help including beds for people who've had operations yeah and uh so if you go to the moncton muslim association there's been yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks of posts on this topic uh this this man who like you said and you're right about that. Men in general don't like to go to the doctor or the hospital. Yeah. This man, obviously, less than 24 hours after surgery, was having complications so bad that he went back, uh, was ignored, uh, and died in the emergency ward. I mean, considering how few people of color there are in New Brunswick, even though that number is growing, for a black Muslim man today, there's seriously, there's, 
it's hard to argue that that's yeah. not some kind of gatekeeping or neglect, like that this man was not ignored, that this, that this man was not treated the same as if a white middle-aged man had have come into the ER less than 24 hours after a kidney surgery, complaining of, like, you need your kidneys to live. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was told to come back. Like, is there no protocol for saying, like, okay, if a doctor does a surgery and says, like, there's a high chance of complications, come back if something's wrong, and the person comes back, is there no, why can't that person be seen? I know I don't work in the triage, the healthcare workers, I'm not, I don't know them, but this is a way that systemic racism can be applied. Um, you might have rules for equality, but if the people gatekeeping deciding who gets seen are racist and they're making decisions regarding um, mm -hmm. who gets seen and who doesn't based on their personal views and biases, then that kind of could explain what's happening here. And I, and I do want to say that I, I'm fairly confident that the other people who died in the ER are not, not necessarily racialized. The difference here is having a doctor so. implicitly say, we need you to come back. Like, why do the surgery if you don't have the space to take care of the person if they have an, a, an issue, an implication, a problem, uh, something that arises or occurs? And if that does happen, like Clinton's saying, what is the protocol to ensure that that person gets seen before someone who needs stitches or ha hasn't had something that's been investigated yet because we know exactly like the, it, the person was there the day before the odds of knowing where the issue is quite high and the fact that six hours went by horrifying it's really ridiculous yeah. um hopefully i think maybe if we have the opportunity we might talk about that again later in the season because yeah. uh, this is more than a rapid fire on that topic but uh we really gotta wrap this up um Absolutely. let's talk about the iranian revolution and then uh We'd be out and we'd be seeing people next week. Very quickly, I will just say that uh, in on September 16th, a woman named Masha Amini was uh, killed by the morality police in Iran for wearing her hijab in a way that they deemed inappropriate. Since mm -hmm. then, there has been a revolution of people who have been, well, women cutting their hair, men supporting them, uh, children as well, um, in just exposing their hair because for anyone listening who might be misinformed, Take it from the child of a Muslim person. It is supposed to be said in the Quran that it is a choice. It's, it's not, I don't even think it is said in the Quran. It's supposed to be a choice. Whether you want to cover your hair or not, and how much modesty you want to disclose or not. It has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with the culture and what a woman chooses to do with her body. What has happened in these places with morality police Taliban government's uh, extremist views is that they've taken it upon them to force this as law onto people. What this revolution has caused as of today, um, Time has named the women of Iran the heroes of the year, um, and they get to be the cover of Time, um, not the person of the year, but the heroes of the year. Um, yep. And then they also have claimed the Iranian regime has claimed that they will uh, be abolishing morality police. Now, the people revolting still want the regime itself to be uh, taken down, abolished. They want, I I'm sure, democracy and to start over with mm -hmm. a fresh government. I don't know what's going to happen there, but this is a, a start. And the reason why I also felt that this was relevant is that in Canada, in Quebec, there is Bill 21, um, where... If you are Quebecois, you are not supposed to wear anything with a religious figure, religious sentiment, religious whatever symbolism associated to it to work as a public in public service. So, a, a teacher, a person at the DMV, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
where there are issues is that the Quebec government feels that the hijab is a religious symbol and is not um, just a, a cultural choice of clothing to wear. Um, and so within this own country, and as we talked about earlier with laws that suppress and cause more issues, like what's happening in Quebec with the well, police stops. This is another one where it is causing more segregation and um, issues for the Muslim community and more hatred than good. I understand not wanting to teach your kids or impose on other people religious symbols, um, but it is having a negative impact because it's causing Muslim women to not be offered equitable jobs. I heard a story of a woman who had to be demoted from a teacher to like an admin assistant in the back of a school because she couldn't be in front of the kids wearing her hijab. Um, so it has is having a cultural impact and it's been law for over a year now. Okay. And that's Black Atlantic season two, episode one. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll just say that, I mean, you're right, I believe it is about free choice, and yeah. uh, it's outrageous that anyone would try to prevent a woman from wearing that, or force her to wear it. it, mm -hmm. it it's it's about the woman's choice, and, and that is uh, my understanding of how it is in, in Islamic culture as well. Uh, so it's not for the man to decide, even though, just like in Christianity, uh, what's written in the, the Quran gets... Uh, perverted, uh, interpreted in ways that serve the people reading them. Yep. And uh, yeah, but that's it. That was a lot. That was a lot um, to everyone. We we're just trying to catch up uh, our future episodes. We're going to try to keep them under an hour, probably 45 minutes, yeah. but uh, we're still ironing out these technical difficulties. Thank Love you everyone who tuned into the, like I always say, you're a trooper if you made it to the end. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, I hope you appreciate the new visual stuff we're bringing. We're yep. going to keep working on that as well. Um, but yeah, just remember to uh, subscribe to our YouTube, hit that like button, share it on your page, follow us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We're coming back. <laughs> and uh, Clinton Davis underscore cropberry that's hillary um any final thoughts good night <laughs> we out ya we out peace peace